What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another solo episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast, a New Year's Eve edition. We are here on the final day of 2022 to recap uh, the great win that was the other night on the road at Murray State, snapping Murray State's 20-game home winning streak. I will dive into that along with preview tomorrow's New Year's Day game hosting, honestly, Red Hot Belmont. Uh, previewing them, got a couple interviews from Casey Alexander, Ben Shepard. I'll dive in a little bit of them as well. They are two and one in conference. We are two and one in conference. It's gonna be a nice matchup. What's going on, everybody? Again, welcome back in. Again, I am having another solo pod uh, Thursday night. Able to watch Noah was in Nashville watching his Titans play, uh, so he wasn't able to fully watch our game. Uh, he kept up with it, but I watched every bit of it. And we both have plans. We'll be in the same place here before long uh, for New Year's Eve plans, so I wanted to knock out this episode. Uh, I always say quickly. It's not going to be too quick. This is obviously a great win for us that I want to dive into with some takeaways. I'll get around the valley, see what other good conference uh, games and wins for other teams uh, have ha- have happened. There's some more news around the Valley. Teams are adding mid-season, which is kind of crazy. I'll dive into one of those. And I mentioned Belmont for tomorrow's 4 o'clock game on New Year's Day. Uh, so let's dive into this six-point victory that we had. But always to start out, things we, because I was listening to the radio beforehand, things that we hear that's always worth mentioning or things that we know about that, uh, you know, is not really shocking, but just newsworthy in general. And that was on the radio. They said, and we saw him over there on the, uh, you know, on the broadcast. Scotty has his splint officially off. He has been practicing, and they're hoping. And I think Mike said Brian told him that it was going to be still a week or two before he plays. So whether that's, you know, on Wednesday against Drake, whether that's you know the games after that on the road, who knows? But that's obviously great news. Because I'll get to it. We talked about it, and well, one of our two bigs played that played on Thursday. Centers wise, played really well. So it'd be nice to get Scotty back in here. We talked about the impact that he can definitely make once he comes back, and what we've been missing from him. Uh, so that's the biggest noteworthy. Uh, some other things uh, Brian said on the post game because they were talking about Clarence. So I'll get into his game. Uh, Brian said that Clarence had been dealing with flight issues. We know he's from, I believe, the Philadelphia area. So we know all the guys went back for Christmas beforehand, and we know the whole chaos that's going around the country with flights and everything. Uh, so Clarence, he said Clarence only had one day of practice this week, which is interesting and shows, you know, practice and setting up for a, for a hard matchup that was is tough, knowing that Clarence still knows the offense, knows the team, knows his role, that he should be able to only have one day and still be fine. And he definitely played like it. So, again, I'll, I'll, dump in, I'll jump into him. And I wanted to touch on, because I even listened to it after the fact, I listened to a – and I want to give him credit here. There was – I think Mike posted about it because he was on the podcast on the pregame uh, – there is a, pod, a Murray State podcast by Jeff Bidwell, who just does his own, covers, uh, you know, he spent 20 years covering Murray State, and 
covering their stories and has a really nice podcast that I listened to uh, talking about, like I said, in the pregame. Mike was on there talking about us and stuff, and then I listened again to his a little bit of today he posted one or yesterday he posted one that was a, you know, give him a day to, to – to go back and look at more stats about the game, but he had one directly after the game. But in the pregame one, he said some stats that, because when he was talking about us in the, in the uh, preview, some notes uh, that stuck out to me about us that I had to mention, which is insane. This was going into the game, that we had 50% of our shots have been threes this year, which is insane. I think he, he said the number. It was 330-something to 330-something or in the 300s in general, there was like five difference, five shot difference between threes and twos. I think the twos were a little bit ahead, but almost 50%. That definitely stuck out. I'll have some other stats through here that he has. So I wanted to shout out Jeff Bidwell on a really good job he does about Murray State that he had. He dives into the stats deep and stuff and, uh, you know, really appreciate the information that he had and talking about it. He gave us a lot of a lot of praise after this game. So I'll get into more stuff. I think I have that he that he discussed at the end of this. So, like I said, we we had the same starting five. Uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, what was the case coming into this matchup? I remember I predict it was. I think I said even odds. It ended up being us minus one. I think at the very end of it, other you know Vegas things have us you know have different spreads at the end. But I remember one thirty four and a half. Uh, which I had to recall. Let me. What was the final score of this game again? Sixty. Because it, it it did not get the uh, the over on it, but it got close, and it definitely didn't look like it was going to get it at first. But uh, so obviously we ended up covering on our end. But diving into this game now with this six point victory, and we were led by our two guys. But I'll dive into what happened at the start of it. It honestly couldn't have been a more perfect start for us. Uh, and we knew that coming into this game that, you know, we mentioned Lance was both of Noah and I's dog of the game. You had to be able to rebound, had to be able to, uh, you know, just play well, trust your defense and be able to make shots. Because, again, in that place, it's almost, you know, it's been clearly hard for teams the last 20 tries to win there. And I just remember saying that they've been on the ropes, kind of. They barely beat Illinois State in overtime at home. They barely beat Chicago State. They barely beat Austin P. Like, it was bound to happen. And we played about – there were moments, clearly, and I'll dive into some moments that – it was the same old Salukis, but, you know, for, you know that, have, that we've seen this season and some of their struggles. But we played really well over the course of this game. So I mentioned the start. We couldn't have started any better. Uh, went over close to a minute 15 without any points. Uh, Marcus missed, and that, this is the case. Uh, X missed an easy look at the rim. Uh, but Marcus, again, it's crazy because he has like 12, he has 1,300 something points now. It feels like he would have 1,500 along his career, and definitely this year. Maybe not this year, he wouldn't have that many, but he misses so many easy shots. He gets deep in, has a fadeaway. Sometimes he even ha- doesn't even have to totally shoot. He can use a floater. He leaves a lot of points on the board near the rim. So he had one of those. And Lance got us on the board with a three. Him and Marcus got us going. It was 5 nothing. It was 7 nothing after a Lance layup. Uh, and they got on the board with a couple free throws. Jamari Smith, who wasn't too great in this game, didn't have a whole lot of action. Uh, but it, it was a great start. 
and when whenever we were up seven to nothing, and I think there was a stat that uh, Murray missed their first nine shots of the game. I think that was by Jeff, and obviously I just remember hearing that from him, knowing why, like wow, and that makes sense. We were, I mentioned at the beginning, you got to make them force tough shots, and that's what we did. But they, you know, DJ Burns, and they had the same starting five as I as I predicted they would, what they've had all year. Uh, DJ Burns would try to hit like a 10 foot jumper and it was brick city. So like even the fact that he can't shoot, but we also, we did force him to take tough shots. So I'll mention it along the way. I'll mention it now though. Some of their personnel, like they, we had great defense at the start, great defense throughout the game. Xavier played great defense on Jacoby Wood, kept him in check for most of the game. Without a doubt, those are these are some of my more takeaways. And this one I'll have near the very end, but just stuff throughout this as I'm looking at the, uh, you know, some of the play-by-play and some of these runs, I mentioned that we, after being up 7 nothing, they stormed back thanks to some free throws, and next thing you know, it was 7-6. to six, And then uh, DJ Burns ended up having a layup whenever, after it was tied, when Jamari went one of two from the line. It was 9-7 to seven them, and this was a point whenever we went seven minutes without scoring. And that's, I remember tweeting, I think, at the time. Maybe I didn't, but it was definitely one of the early takeaways here is, you, you start great, and then you have a seven minutes without scoring. And they were forced enough to make tough shots. We just weren't making anything. I mean, there were points whenever Xavier, I just remember one in particular, he got really deep. He'd get on semi-transition, but he would get – and he got blocked by Jamari at one point, I think. Uh, so maybe he was a little bit skittish on going up again, but he easily could have had a layup and wanted to kick it out to the corner – but like, you know, we were, you know, not taking advantage of other opportunities like that. So after they grabbed the lead, Foster hit a corner three. That was by Lance. He found him, gave us a three-point lead. Clarence, or Rob Perry, who I'll get into, he was awesome in this game. He is every bit of offensively gifted. What everything we predicted with him being one of the NBC teams, he is a stud. He will be up for newcomer of the year, no doubt about it. Clarence had a layup. Clarence was great in this game also. So in terms of the runs, it was back and forth. I'll say now, I mean, it was 12 lead changes in this game alone. Uh, and I just see him, or Jawan went one of two from the free throw line. But at some point here, Rob made a three at four at the 450 mark to give them a one-point lead. Rob, and this was a really deep one, Rob is, and he has a shot that's, it's way like it's high level. It's way above his head. His his uh, release point is massive. It's honestly hard to guard. And Rob Perry's about six four, and you could you could tell looking at him. People have talked about it. He's got like a six eight wingspan for a six four guard. It's insane. So he gets it up there where you can't you can contest it, but not to a level. But even some of these we had on him throughout this game, but I think this three in particular was semi-open. He's just hitting deep-range threes. And I remember a stat that Jeff Bidwell had on one of his pods before was from the right from the right three, or at the right wing three, he's shooting like 57% from three, and everywhere else he's shooting like 20-something. It's insane. I think this was more like at the top of the key, maybe near the left side, so obviously there's an outlier there. Some of the crazy stats that go into what he was saying with some of their players. But he made this. Marcus matched him on the other end, gave us a two-point lead. Quincy Anderson was making some tough shots in this one. I mentioned he was – we were in on him. Oh, another thing I was going to mention before, Brian Moore didn't play in this game. Talked about how he was one of our biggest – one of the guys we were wanting the most uh, 
in the or out of coming at JUCO, and they landed him. He was sick in this game apparently, so we did not play. And they're question whether he'll be playing, uh, whatever their game is tomorrow, I guess, uh, against Evansville. So he was sick, didn't play. So I mentioned they didn't have a great bench, and that was the case again. This one it trimmed even more. But Quincy came in. Played well and made some tough shots. Quincy was all over the place. He He's a nice player, and it would have been nice to have a guy like that. Uh, he uh, made a tough shot and then had a free throw to give them a one-point lead at the 320 mark. Lance had one of the one of these, like, crazy – I would say crazy finishes, just, like, you know, extended layups at the rim. Uh, Rob matched him with a jumper. X came down, made a layup. Marcus hit him. It was actually a quick – we were actually moving – and I remember Jeff mentioned in his that we dictated the tempo of this game, and I think we did. He said we were more slow, and it seemed like at times we were wanting to push the ball. And I think that was one of these Marcus hit X on a layup that was kind of, you know, barely off the shot clock. Got down court early, X did, and had this layup. DJ Burns had a layup match. Marcus had a jump shot. And then here, after Mark, and this was this was at the end of the shot clock. We had two seconds and there was just an inbounds on the baseline. Marcus got some separation, I guess, off a screen and just had a nice short corner fadeaway, drained it before the shot clock. And then right as soon as we went down on defense, uh, Jacoby tried to just have it. And the thing is with X, I mentioned his defense on Wood. He was picking him up 94 feet, which was incredible. Probably what Jacoby Wood has not had happen to him at all game. So, uh, you know, this, so he was going up pressured by X a little bit and just had a casual pass to Jamori coming up for the trailer or for the step off. And Clarence just picked it, went all the way for a dunk, gave us a three point lead that ended up being the case at the end of the half. Uh, Rob turned it over. We went down, took a timeout with 33 seconds of wasted time. Trent missed a three and that's how the first half was. Uh, so again, three point lead. We're doing pretty well, and the, but the one thing, and I'll get the stats up here, the one thing that we were not doing well was rebounding, and I wanted to even go back to see uh, Brian's Brian's keys to the your keys to the game before were minimize turnovers, which I'll get to it. We did a fabulous job in this game uh, with turnovers, and then minimize Murray State's offensive rebounds. That is something we did not do in the first half. I'll get to and contest all three point shots. I'll get into that because they did not play all that well or shoot all that well from three. So who was leading the way for us? Lance had nine points on nine shots to start, three assists for Lance. Marcus had seven, two steals, three of six from the, from the field, five rebounds, three assists. Clarence, I mentioned that dunk. He also had a couple layups. He'll explode here in the second half as well. He had a block and a steal. He did shoot a three, which I don't even remember was, wasn't at the end of the shot clock. He was just really wide open. And he's only shot, I think, five threes all year. He's only made one of them. That was the Cal Baptist end of the shot clock three. Uh, so he's not going to shoot him a whole lot. That's fine because he's unstoppable in the paint. He had two rebounds. Uh, Trent only had the one shot, the missed three. He didn't play a whole lot near the course or over the course of the game. Uh, and X, one of three with that layup, did have a steal himself. Uh, JD off the bench. Didn't do anything. He had two fouls, which they'll get into you know him fouling out at the end of the game. He had he did have a block though. Foster hit the three. Dalton came in, didn't shoot, and had a foul. Jawan came in, zero for three, all from three. And this will be a takeaway. I'll mention it now. When if Jawan, Jawan, he had good looks too. They were all on the left side, which was the the spot that we know he can actually hit his threes. It was like between the wing and the and the corner. 
if he starts making threes, we'll take off even more. He will, we will on points and three-point percentage, uh, which just reminds me, when I get to Belmont, I won't go through all the specific stats of Murray because we're so, you know, I'm not saying I'm in a rush tonight, but it, that takes a lot of time to get those legit stats. So I'll just go through the typical ones that I have at my disposal, and we'll have more of those as time goes on uh, to see even where we are now after one game of shooting. I don't even think we shot well from three, so I might even went down. But once Jawan's three-point shooting gets better, we'll be better as a team. So those are the only – but we did play ten guys, which is interesting. And that Troy, J.D., Foster, Dalton, and Jawan, that's actually a really good second unit. Uh, you know, struggling, you know, an offense kind of unit, but uh, something we can hopefully and maybe count on. I mentioned Scotty, throw Scotty in this mix at some point. We'll be 11 guys deep. Hopefully, K did not play in this game. Go ahead and say it now. Uh, neither did AJ. We haven't seen AJ in a long time. Um, it seems like AJ would have been a nice player to be able to redshirt at this point because he's not getting any action either. We can't really expect to see him in conference play either. Uh, so those were our 10 guys in this game. I'll get to the end of it, but this was halftime. Trent, or Troy had a three. They're let, People are letting Troy shoot, and it seems like Troy does struggle at times, but we know how hard he works and how good of a defensive player he is for us. So team stats-wise, we were shooting 41%. We were holding them to 31. One of eight from three. We were three of 13. Only shot two free throws. They were four of six themselves. Rebounds. Ten offensive rebounds for Murray of their 24. We only had two. And 13 total. Uh, we were out assisting them seven to three. Out had more steals at four to one. More blocks two to one. They had seven turnovers to our three. Keep an eye out for that three and what it ends up being at the end of the game, which is incredible. Uh, and our largest lead was seven, which was at the very start and two. So other than that, Marcus Lance and Clarence. That was the case near the end. I'll get to and it was a good, you know, overall a defensive affair with the low scoring games. All we had to do was rebound. So let's now dive into, into that second half. Kenny White Jr., which I think I mentioned before, he's shooting like 19% from three, and Jeff was talking about how he finally got going. He's been struggling. He had a 30-point game earlier in the year, at, I think in one of their tournament games. He's been struggling from three ever since, and I think he shot a couple in the first half and missed, but he had one to kick off. Uh, this was actually at the start of the half. Marcus missed another easy shot that he should have made around the rim, which allowed them to go down and hit a three. Kenny White did. Lance matched him with a layup to give us a two-point lead. That was one of those extended layups. Trent got a steal on Rob Perry. That was a Marcus layup assisted by X. Uh, and he, here they were. I mean, X was finding Clarence. Everybody was finding Clarence. He had a 4-0 run for ourselves. There was a Kenny White one of two free throw between here, but Clarence was getting... You know, there were one points where he just, it, it's its a kind of a contested finish, but it's kind of just a lay-in. But he's so good at it. He's great at using the backboard. He just knows where he's at at all times. There were times I remember whether he scored on it or not, I don't believe, maybe. But he had a spin baseline. He was one-on-one -on -one with Burns, I think. And if they see tape on Clarence, they know if he gets it, he's spinning baseline. And it works for him. I don't recall if he scored on it, but I don't think it was either one of these but he was getting it with ease. I think on the Lance pass, he maybe dribbled and just and just had a layup. Might have been another one too. It just it seems like it's the same shots for Clarence all the time. And he's so good around the rim. He's honestly unstoppable. I'll get to his percentage here in a second. Or I might as well look at it now. Of uh, what he oh, actually I'll get to it at the end. So after Lance hit Clarence for another layup, he gave us a seven point lead here. Jamari Smith had a dunk. 
That was a not a good defensive possession for us, if I remember. So now it's back to five. Lance with one of two from the free throw line. Kenny White had a layup. They were getting some easy. Uh, they were getting some easy looks. Honestly, there were times where our defense was looked a little looked a little sketchy. Quincy Anderson made another hugely contested three here. Then Clarence had another layup assisted by X. So we have a three point lead. Right away matched by Rob Perry, another one of his crazy threes that he made. Uh, then there were stretches with no points, and J.D. got fouled. He would have had an easy layup, but got fouled. It was off an offensive board. Uh, I'm sorry. It was just after a play, he got a pass and got fouled. And everyone in the whole place was making fun of his free throws. And it's 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 sad because I don't think J.D. was wanting to maybe get embarrassed because, you know, we still has had the same release and everything up to this point. I feel bad for him, but there was a lane violation that gave us uh, – because after he missed the first lane violation, they gave him a third shot, and he made it. So it shut everybody up, just like how it did at SEMO, uh, which I remember saying at the time, like maybe that one point could end up being the difference, and could have, I guess, played out throughout to get to what the final score was. But huge free throw for JD, taking advantage of the – because we talked about that's what he's going to do. He's going to get lane violations and hoping he can get more as time goes on. After that, there were still no points before Rob Perry was hitting contested shots, gave them a lead, and then Jawan had a nice layup assisted by Dalton. There was a nice pump fake that he made you know, after a nice layup and a pump fake. Regrabbed the lead, and then Dalton here. This was, and we'll have opportunities here ourselves, of offensive rebounds. And after, I mean, J.D. on one end, I, I think I remember this one. He had a really strong rebound after Miss Quincy Anderson early in the shot clock jumper. Uh... Jawan missed a three, another one of his miss, but Troy with an offensive rebound got it out to Dalton. I'm not sure where it was on the court. He hit a three, and then Chady got another foul. I mentioned he ended up fouling out. Marcus hit a three. This is when we had a seven-point lead after another rebound that Jawan got up and got, kicked it to Marcus for a three. Murray called a timeout. Kenny White hit a jump right out of that timeout. Rob Perry had a layup. Lance hit a three right out of the official timeout. Marcus, I think this whenever Marcus found... That's when Marcus was backing up on the far side and hit Lance for a left wing three to give us a six-point lead. Kenny White went one of two from the line. Marcus had another made layup, or two back-to-back. Or I'm sorry, he had one and then got an and one. He got the ball left side on the baseline and had just a strong finish between Burns and Jamari Smith, or between Kenny White and DJ Burns. Huge contested, strong finish. Then he made the free throw, gave us that 10-point lead, and here it is, the 10-point lead after the and one from Marcus. Then we go right back down. Jawan fouls Kenny White Jr., makes two free throws, and it's eight. And then we Clarence fouls Jacoby Wood. There's two more free throws, so next thing you know, it was six. The next thing you know, Rob Perry made a three at three and a half minutes left. Next thing you know, it's three, and we called a timeout. And I was like, we can't get these leads and have it, you know, almost be able to put the game away and then not be able to – Sustained possessions, you know, there's uh, Lance had a bad miss three at one point in here, and you just can't get stops when you need them. And that's been our Achilles heel all year is being able to sustain, you know, leads in games when you blow them and you just make it to where it's just scary. And that's exactly what last game was with SEMO. So after Rob Perry's three in our timeout, uh, there were, by the way, there was some awful, uh, Jerry Pollard was a ref in this game. Terribly ref game once again, uh, both ways, but definitely against us. But there were times when Marcus got fouled by DJ Burns, made two more free throws. Perry went one of two from the line, so we had a four-point lead still. And this is where Lance, 
made a three. This might have been actually the one where Marcus assisted him on the in the post and found him on the left wing for the three. They gave us a seven-point lead with 214 left. Murray called the timeout. We got a rebound. X went, it was a one-on-one. X got fouled by DJ Burns and missed it, of course. This is actually at the time whenever DJ Burns missed one of his crappy mid-range jump shots that were all brick. And he tried to get his own rebound and literally fell on X, like used his 245-pound body and fell on him, fell on Xavier. And he was down for a second, ended up going down or ended up going down to the other side of the court like in a limp and then missed his free throw. I had a feel maybe he was going to miss it after after that, so he did. JD, I think, fouled out here, and Kenny White got a couple free throws. This was the – I'm trying to think if this was the crazy finish for Lance. It was. It was – he drove, gave us a seven-point lead. He drove, had a circus shot throw up that he had, and that's typical Lance kind of shot. But it, it was actually a nice one. He, he cut the corner and had just a really nice, like I said, kind of a floater-style shot. So then he – Gave a set-point lead. As I said, Rob Perry, he, he will not be denied, went down, made it a five-point game. Marcus went one of two from the free-throw line, of course, and here's another thing, just like last game. Sketchy end-of-game free-throws, uh, which I'll, I'll mention. There was one of two here. Jacoby Wood even went one of two to make it five. Troy turns it over. Rob Perry misses a three. That would have cut it to two. Lance got it. Quincy Anderson fouled him, and... Uh, Lance went one of two with 24 seconds left, and uh, I want to say I want to find out where this turnover is. It, I, th- I think it, it says Troy, but it wasn't. Or Troy was the inbounder, tried to throw it into Marcus, and it was one of these as well, giving them life. Uh, he tried to throw it in. It was kind of guarded by Quincy last second. Marcus had it and lost it out of bounds, and they're and uh, their side of the court. So that's when Rob got the up, and that's just an unfortunate turnover you can't have, obviously. And then, I mean, that's it. Missed free throws are almost the equi- a bad shot, and missed free throws are the equivalent of turnovers. Uh, and this was one of those late turnovers, which we've just been having with the free throws and the um, bad shots at the end, like in SEMO. But this happened, like I said, Rob had the the three that he missed. Lance with one of two. Quincy Anderson went down, missed a shot. Next thing you know, SIU gets the six point win. Snapping, like I said, that 20-game home winning streak for Murray. Just a resilient game. And I, I'll get into what this, what our stats ended up being. Not sure exactly, like second-half stats, but what we ended up at the end of the game. I'll get into the box score here. I mentioned Clarence was unreal at the rim. Let me look at what Clarence is shooting from the field. It was It's 70. I think it dropped below 60-something. Uh, but it is strictly at 70. He's averaging 7 and 4 with an assist. And 70% shooting, which is insane. It's got to be one of the tops in the Valley, no doubt about it. So he had 10 points in 26 minutes. Marcus, 34 minutes. There was a point in the second half before they got in for the late run. And we were actually doing okay with the lineup we had out there. But Clarence, Marcus, and Lance all came out at the same time. And that's when I think when we saw Troy, we saw Troy, JD. I think that's whenever we saw, I want to say X. X and or Trent were still in. Like I said, Trent only played 10 minutes. He did have four fouls. That's why. But I think our whole five-man bench of Troy, J.D., Foster, Dalton, and Jawan uh, were in the game whenever those three came out. But So Marcus had nice breathers in this. Game. Seven of 13 for Marcus. 20 points, six assists, 11 rebounds, two steals. An unreal Marcus game. Four or five from the line, two of three from three. 
great game from Marcus, and it wasn't even him that also did well. He shot better than what Lance did, but overall, obviously, those two carried us again. I mentioned Trent's game. X, 31 minutes, 1 of 5 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. But he did have four assists and a steal and two rebounds, only with the two points on that layup. Missed some other missed shots that he had. And then Lance, 32 minutes, 8 of 16, 3 of 9 from 3. Three rebounds, four assists, no steals again for Lance, but did have 21 points to lead the way. And there was a stat that Lance and Marcus had all of our final 20 points of the game, which is insane. That's what you're going to give us either by free throws or threes or layups, what they both had. It was just unreal. Uh, a great, fabulous game from our top two guys. And we mentioned how it's different if you have one guy be it, and that's what Marcus seemed like it's been, but Lance has gotten in a groove and – uh, he talked to Mike in the pregame about how, what he's been shooting, and he's been averaging the last five games, and granted they are who they were against, but Simo and Murray are good opponents. Oh, you know, over double-digit points. His, he's got He's barely turning it over. His assistant turnover ratio has been great, and he's shooting, I think, around 50%. I think Mike said 48%. So Lance is playing well, so he's finally getting his consistent self with Marcus which is good because I think if you have two guys leading the way, you can you can win games and you're not totally, you know, screwed, I guess you could say. But our bench did okay in this game. Only actually only had 10, point, 10 bench points, but those guys led the way for us. Uh, Troy, two turnovers, four rebounds, no points. Shot twice, three, 14 minutes. JD, 15 minutes. He fouled out. Uh, did have the one free throw. Foster only played four minutes. Didn't play in the, in the second half with the three. Dalton. 16 minutes, three points, had that three. Jawan, one of five, 0 of four from three, 18 minutes, three points. Three fouls as well. So, like I said, not a whole lot other than Lance, Marcus, and Clarence, but those are our three best players, and it's quite all right. Need X to do a little more, clearly, and Trent. Hasn't been doing a whole lot lately, uh, but, you know, I guess if your top two guys lead you, it doesn't matter, but you definitely need more contributions than everybody else. So Murray's box score, I said mentioned Jamari Smith. Played 30 minutes, only had five points, did have nine rebounds. Uh, Kenny White uh, got, you know, going from scoring the ball, had 13. One of three from three. DJ Burns, four points in 33 minutes. He did get eight rebounds, though. Mentioned how him and Smith were going to kill us on the boards. They did in the first half, as I mentioned. Jacoby Wood, three points. All from the free throw line. X in 39 minutes. X was holding Jacoby Wood big time. Uh, Rob Perry, 11 of 17 in 39 minutes. Four rebounds, one assist, three turnovers, 26 points. And I think there's a stat now. He's averaging like 25 a game uh, in three in the three conference games so far. So pretty good for Rob. And then they play Jeremy Morgan off their bench. True freshman, 10 minutes. And then Quincy at 22 minutes, six points. Uh, both of those guys play good. They only, I mean, they went. Only seven deep, and Quincy and Morgan both played pretty well for them. So uh, let's get to the final team stats. What they were, uh, we were shoot, we shot forty five percent, twenty four of fifty three. They were nineteen of 40 percent uh, three pointers, twenty seven for us, thirty one for them. We do shoot twenty six threes. That is again, what is that exactly? Almost that's twenty six threes to twenty seven twos. So that, you know, at the stat I mentioned earlier, about fifty percent both still remains. And then 8 of 14 from the free throw line. We still got out-rebounded, but again, we negated that. They had, I think they didn't have any offensive boards in the second half. We ended up with 7 to their 10, and defensive was 24 to 21 then. But 
we did an awesome job in adjusting in that. I th- eight, eight of 14 from the free throw line is not good. That still needs to be touched up if you want to finish games cleanly. 16 to 6 in assists on our end. Five steals to their one. Two blocks apiece. And here it is. Everybody remembers the three turnovers at half. One in the second half. And that was the play that the inbounds from Troy to Marcus that Marcus lost near the end of the game. So that's crazy. That So that adjusting and the reboundings were huge in this game that we made in the second half. Uh, and so they had 10. We ended up with those four. And that's how that finished out. So just a I, – I remember tweeting in the final tweet that it seemed like, you know, we played a semi-perfect second half. And outside of – Blowing the 10-point lead with four minutes left and stuff, you just we were steady, and we relied on our top two guys to make clutch shots. Uh, and there was a video after the game. There were highlights. Guys were pumped at the end of the game uh, from a video. Uh, you know, how, how big of a win this clearly was. Let me get into some other things here, some quotes from Brian. Uh, if there are any, I guess there isn't here. Let me see if I can get some other... Uh, stats. There was a 9-0 run that uh, at the start of the half. So like we were up seven nothing, and they were up. Then they went on the nine nothing run. So those runs again that that played a part. I guess I don't have any quotes from Brian. There is a presser off the app if anyone wants to go check that out. Uh, and then so let me dive into my takeaways real fast now. I why well, if I didn't mention a dog of the game, I'd say. You could give it to Clarence in this one if you had one day of practice and played so well and matched their bigs bit for bit and played really well. Uh, you could say Clarence or the top two guys. Like I said, some guys that impact that aren't totally like leading the, the box score sometimes. I'd say those big our big three of those guys, I'd say definitely was the case because, our like I said, our bench didn't really do a whole lot else. We were led by the two. Other takeaways, I mentioned Rob Perry, elite score, every bit of it. I mentioned the 25 a game, 57% from three he's shooting in the first three Valley games. I mentioned the 12 lead changes. We did make them miss the first nine shots, as I said, which is huge. We did dictate the tempo of this game. Uh, I mentioned X's great defense. He had 94 feet. Our defense was great this whole game, definitely in the first six to seven minutes of it. I mentioned Jawan still struggling from three, but like I said, when he does start making his threes, look out. Uh, And Brian mentioned the post game that – for a lot of our layups we were getting. He said the back screens that set up our layups worked a lot uh, because Murray was was pressuring us so much, he was saying, and that was the case. We were getting great looks at the rim, great passes, like x Fine and Marcus and vice versa, and you know all those guys leading the way. Uh, I mentioned Lance and Marcus had the final 20 team points and the single-digit turnover game, and it was Mike said after the game to Brian that it's, it's the lowest under Brian uh, – ever in his four years here that's the lowest in a game ever which is insane that shows you how much we do in a game heck we could have had five i guess or six in a game it's that's not a lot but obviously four is now the highest it's only the third time this season we've been in single digit turnovers uh and marcus talked about that after the game and he credited our focus and uh credited our focus with not turning it over and then I remember talking about in the, in the preview that Murray just doesn't turn teams over either. And that's what Jeff Bidwell also mentioned, uh, that they just don't do it. Because he talked about how much, you know, we turn it over 20% of our possessions, um, which is a lot, clearly. And then he just said how we only had four in this game, so Murray's just not able to do it very well. 
and I mentioned, you know, overall, I think, and we still have too many long stretches of bad and not finishing the way we should. And that's, you know, that will remain, but doing it on the road and being able to still finish is, is honestly sweet. And both games, you got lucky in SEMO, but this one, uh, uh, was fine, and then I meant, and then overall, I think this was the best second half of adjustments we've had all season. You could say Oklahoma State when we were down thirteen and forced our way back, but I'd say that game and this game were our best second half adjustment games because we know at times we've struggled with that all year. Uh, and then Brian did say at the end of the game that everyone who played contributed, and I mentioned how the bench wasn't too great, but everybody, most everybody scored. You know, Trent even had good defense when he was even with fouling and missing a three. But everybody did contribute. I believe that. I mentioned K didn't play. So those were the biggest takeaways of this game. Let me go through. Uh, so like I said, those those are the biggest takeaways of the game. Huge win, enormous win to get us to two and one in the Valley. I'll maybe get an update on that going into tomorrow's games. Uh, what the conference now looks like. Conference standings now look like. Now let me go and talk about the other games that happened um, yesterday or Thursday as well. I mentioned Indiana State hosted Evansville, beat them by 28 at home, huge. And this game was on CBS Sports Network. Drake struggled against Valpo almost all game. Valpo had some leads at some point, was keeping it close. It got above 10 late and then ended up getting it 5. Drake won. So Drake does show, even at home, they show a little bit of vulnerability and we talked about how Bradley, and I'll get into their game as well. Bradley's been getting picked, um, you know, is to pick the favorite, and people are, I guess, low on Drake at the moment. They're they're kind of playing like it, even though they got star power clearly. So I mentioned that going back to my predictions I had Wednesday night for those other games as well. Uh, I, I did say Murray State was going to cover the plus and beat you and I at home, on the road, and that's what they did. They won by twelve. Uh, UIC did beat Illinois State, and I, UIC, I think, got into like around a 10-point lead, and then Illinois State clawed back at the very end. So UIC got the four-point win at home, and then this one, I picked Bradley, I think, minus two points, and this one, they were on the road, um, uh, favorites on the road, but Belmont squeaked this one out without Kay Tyson, who we'll get into. I don't know if he's playing tomorrow. I'm sure he might. I think they mentioned how he was sick as well. Casey said that in the in the and the uh, interview today. So that's notable. And they didn't even have him and they still beat Bradley. So it was a three point win. Crazy game. I think it was, it was a, you know, Belmont's going to be like that at home and they're hitting their stride and it's going to be tough to beat them tomorrow. So there was those games. I mentioned the ones Thursday and I'll get into, uh, or let's see, what is today? Today's 31st. I forgot other teams were playing tonight around the Valley. Uh, so before I jump into ours tomorrow, I'll go ahead and say these because they're now final. Bradley killed UIC at Carver Arena in Peoria by 34 points. Quick turnaround for some of these teams. Let me look who led. There's a lot of uh, double-digit scores. Tava Nine and Henry, Dean Montgomery, and Mast all had double digits for Bradley, killing UIC. And then you and I won in normal against Illinois State. Wow, huge game. Bowen Bourne continues to dominate had 25 in this game. He's got to be reaching 20 a game officially now. McChesney had 22 for the Redbirds. So those were final games tomorrow, and I'll get into the other teams who play tomorrow, some good ones. Uh, other than that, uh, there's obviously some good games. So let's now – I think the only news I have 
in particular at the moment is uh, I had it here as a thing. It's definitely noteworthy. It's in my notes here or in my uh, tabs that uh, Bradley is adding somebody midseason, a seven foot one, seven foot one center from Serbia. What's his name here? Ahmet Jonovic. 7-1, 260-pound center who can run is on his way from Europe. Uh, Brian Mortal said, quote, we're extremely excited to have him fill that open scholarship. I've loved getting to know him the last couple of months. I think he's a tremendous personality. He has got a, he has a great work ethic, and he brings size, physicality, and has great upside. He's a 7-foot-1, 19-year-old, so he's young, but he has a lot of room to grow, and we're able to develop him. Uh, he played overseas the last two seasons. It says this that was an end quote from him. This is me now, which is part of the top one of the top professional leagues in Serbia, considered a top six pro league in Europe in general. He said the freshman fills an open scholarship roster spot created when redshirt guard Max Okono left earlier this month to play junior college ball. Wardle said, "You get what you earn in your on our program. Nothing is handed to you here. Just like in the real world, we have guys who are playing really well right now." He said, I think Ahmed is excited to be in the mix, a really good young man, and he fits the culture of our locker room. We'll see how he does. If he can help us, he gives us depth for sure, end quote. Uh, so that's notable. No doubt about it. Noah sent me that, and I was able to touch on some more things with it. Uh, now, just the fact that Brian Wardle just had, finds a way with international guys, and we know, I mean, even Illinois, the Finding Illini added a French kid that we've known about for a while, but he's now eligible to play for them, so I wish we had that at our disposal. But so Brad, so Wardle gets a seven foot one kid to add to his team right now, which is, like I said, definitely notable for a team that's picked top two and has a really good chance to win it. That just adds, you know, fuel to them moving forward. So that's the most notable news I have, no doubt about it. I and mean, that's kind of unfortunate for everybody else. So then I think that's everything. No, nothing on Kennard. I mentioned Highland. We'll see him next weekend. So let's get into now. Before we get into Belmont, uh, the games, other games tomorrow, Indiana State goes at Valpo, and Indiana State's a seven-point favorite on the road. Uh, I'll say Indiana State covers that. I'd say it's within 10 again. It could be stretched to like 12 points, I think. Valpo is a tough home game or home team, uh, but I think Illinois, Indiana State covers that. Murray is at Evansville. Like I said, maybe without Brian Moore still, they're five-point favorites on the road. They definitely cover that. Evansville won't be able to handle their physicality and their athletes. And then a big one here after Missouri State got the big UNI win on the road. They host Drake tomorrow at 2 o'clock, even odds there. So they don't even give Drake the benefit of the doubt or the benefit a little bit. And Missouri State being at home and coming off a nice win, a road win. So that's even odds for tomorrow. That's kind of crazy. Uh and I will I will take Drake barely, though. It's a good matchup game, I think, for both teams. So but we'll see how that one plays out. I got Drake getting that win. Because if Missouri State gets that win, then they're riding high, and everyone's been talking down on them. They're going to hit a stride here, and it's going to be something to watch. So there's that. So now with that being said, to end this New Year's Eve pod, let's talk about the Belmont Bruins. Uh, we are four-point favorites tomorrow night or tomorrow at four o'clock 
Matchup predictor gives us about a 68% chance to win. It makes sense because we're at home. But like I said, Belmont is kind of on a roll. Let's go through what they've done this year. They've had kind of an okay uh, non-conference. They were struggling at times, so let's go through them. They beat Ohio by one to start their season. Then they lost at Furman, big, by 15. Lost their rivalry game with Lipscomb. Um, lost to Tarleton in their Paradise Jam. By eight, beat George Mason, though, the next day by four, beat Howard by 23, uh, one at Georgia State by two. That was in November, and then so far this month, their early Valley games, they beat Valpo at home, and then they lost at Illinois State by 10. That was a really nice win for Illinois State. Uh, then they beat Anon D1, then uh, lost by 10 to Middle Tennessee. I mean, Middle Tennessee killed Murray, so they've been, they've been killing some of these new Valley teams. And then Belmont had a nice win against Chattanooga, beat Sanford at home, and then, like I said, got the nice win against Bradley at home on Wednesday. So, like I said, they're kind of riding hot into Carbondale. Uh, I'll get I'll get some more things at some point. Let me just talk about the matchup first, or about the day tomorrow. It is on ESPNU. I remember whenever the notes or the News came out that it was going to be on an ESPN broadcast, whether that's ESPN2 or U, and it is officially on ESPNU. And this is the New Year's Day Saluki Bash. The game will feature the largest balloon drop in Southern Illinois history during halftime, as well as festive New Year's concession items such as champagne, sparkling wine, holiday punch, winter sangria, cranberry mimosas, and mini bunked cakes. Doors open at 3 o'clock, so that's an interesting and Fans are encouraged to wear white. It's an annual whiteout contest, along with all those alcoholic drinks and everything in the balloon drop. It's going to be a fun day tomorrow at, at Banterra Center. And everyone was hyping this up. They were hyping this on the radio and post game yesterday. So looking forward to that. That's what we got going on. ESPNU, it's a good uh, national game for us, for people to see us. So let's get into this matchup first. It's crazy that this is only the second time we've played Belmont ever. And the only other time was the regular season opener in 2001 when we beat when we beat them by 11. Jermaine Dearman led us with 18. Darren Brooks dropped 14 for us. Uh, that's crazy to think about because they're only in Nashville and they've had so much success recently and stuff. They feel like that's a game you'd want to have. And, um, you know, talked about they had a great longtime coach that Casey has filled in for. Uh, he talked to Rodney about it, and we retweeted if you guys want to check it out. He talked about some of his personnel, but he talked about getting that job, playing for Belmont in the 90s. I think he mentioned they won 30-something games in a season and then got all the way to the Final Four, I think. I think he said he was a point guard on one of those teams, so that's insane. So they've had tons of success over the last 30 years or more, and he was a part of it, and he's been coaching coaching it so far in his, in his latter tenure here. So... I mentioned they come into this game at nine and five winners of the last three games. Uh, they're the second best scoring offense in the Valley. They averaged 76 per game and led by preseason all NBC and the, and the six players they put on their team, Ben Shepard, who's scoring 18 a game to go with five rebounds and four assists. Stud, I, I, I'll just say it. He, he talked to uh, Rodney as well. And he was a soft-spoken guy mentioned, what his role has been in his career. When he got there as a freshman, he played, and that's what Casey said, that Ben played. has played in every game and played in every game as a freshman. 
but he kind of just was like, and he even, he said that he was more of a facilitating guy, trying not to do anything wrong. And then as obviously the years go on, he becomes a better scorer and everything. And I mentioned, I was going to end up looking back. I mean, Belmont last year, we mentioned how Murray swept through the OVC and they had probably some tough games against Belmont. When Ben was on this team, they had their really good big man. They had Will Richard, who's at Florida, uh, and they had Jacoby Wood before he went to Murray. Like, they were solid. And it's crazy how they got uh, – it's crazy how they, uh, you know, broke up the band. And they had chances to win. And they, they've made the tournament a couple times. They've been one of the standard bearers at the mid-major level, no doubt. Uh, you remember Dylan Windler, who got to the NBA. He was on a tough team at Belmont that got, I think, maybe to the round of 32 that year. So they've had a lot of success under Casey. Uh, Kay Tyson, I mentioned, missed. He's averaging 14. He's going to be uh, on an all-freshman team, no doubt about it. He's going to compete for freshman of the year as well with those averages. Drew Fryerberg, 14 points. Those three are in double digits for them. They shoot 47% from the field, 41 from three. The best, the be- they are the best shooting team in the Valley. I'll get into more of the personnel in a second. The best shooting team in the Valley at 41% from three. That's insane. So they're obviously lethal. They're a really, really, really good team. Uh, some more of their personnel here. or And Ben in the 14 games has averaged 35 minutes a game. Kate Tyson's around 29. Freiburg, who is a transfer from Princeton. They were talking about his three seasons. Uh, he missed the – apparently he missed the – or he was – Trying to think here. He missed a year in between there. So he's definitely a senior, but he's 6'7. Princeton transfer averaging 14 and 3. So that's a big get for them. He averages 31 a game. Uh Keyshawn Davidson, who had some big moments in that Bradley win, I believe. He averages 10 and 5. He's only played in eight games so far this year, 27 minutes. Uh Gillespie, Jacoby Gillespie averages nine. So they spread scoring. I mentioned 76 a game. It's crazy. I mean, they have Bellinger, who's had good games for them. Uh, E.J. Bellinger, he's a 6'4 senior. So they got weapons, and they got some decent size to them. I guess overall, they're not very big overall in terms of having a center. They got Fryerberg and K. Tyson, who are 6'7. Uh, and they got some other guys that haven't played in a whole lot of games. Uh, or they have another 6'6 kid that has played in every game. Uh, let me see this other this other guy here. 6'9", Derek Saban averages a point, but he's playing 13 of the 14 games in 11 minutes, so he might come in as well. So they're not very big, but they are versatile, it looks like, and they can shoot the lights out. That's the biggest thing, no doubt about it. So in terms of team, uh, over-under is uh, 134. We are four-point favorites, as I said, at home. I think I've said that already. Um like I said, their 76 a game is to our 68 and a half. They do allow 72 a game, though. So that's – and like I said, I haven't gone down deeper into the other stats. I, and that's the thing with Belmont is we don't play them. We only play them once. This is the only time, unfortunately, we do not go to Nashville to play them. Would have been a, an awesome, you know, weekend or what to go, you know, uh, watch them in Nashville. So that's unfortunate. Them and Valpo are the two teams we don't play twice this year. But – uh, four point favorites at home. We do get them. Obviously, needs to needs to work in our favor here. We shoot about the same exact percentage from the field, about forty seven percent. Rebounds, we rebound a little better than them, and that's saying a lot because we're not the best rebounding team. If they're not either, I mentioned their size isn't very big. They do they assist barely more than we do at about fifteen. 
blocks. They do block more shots than us. We mentioned how we are not very uh, we are not very good in that department. Uh, and then steals about even, almost at eight per team. So that's the thing. They don't rebound, and they'll allow you to score, but they will score themselves. They will make threes. I'm sure they're really good from the free throw line as well. And they're riding a win streak just like us. And I haven't talked to Noah about a dog of the game, but it definitely seems like uh, you're at the match, Ben Shepard. And, you know, they got other guys that can shoot and play. And it's it's going to be a whole team effort. I'll go with – it just seems so cliche to pick like a Marcus. But you got to – Ben Shepard averages 18 a game. So, you know, he is a threat. You have to match him. He, I wonder what the matchup's going to be. It's going to be uh, – I don't know. Let me look again who their starting five usually is, who they started against Bradley. And it's probably what we're going to see. It was Freiburg Brown, Bronze, who's a center. I guess I missed him. He's 6'9", Evan Brown, Bronze. So they start him. And then you got Jacoby Gillespie, Keyshawn Davidson, and then Ben Shepard. So if I were to say the matchups for us, I would say, I mean, just because Ben is, what, 6'6", six, six, it's kind of the size of Murray's players. You could see Lance on Ben. You could see a lot of guys, X, Lance, Trent on Ben. It's a tough matchup for us, honestly. Don't feel comfortable with Marcus on him at all. Keyshawn Davidson, that's for another guard. Uh, probably X. So X and X and Trent on Gillespie and Davidson. Lance on Shepard. Uh, Marcus and Fryerberg. And I think Bra- Bronze only started. He only played 10 minutes. He only started. He's averaging 6-4, and four, but he only started because Kate Tyson's not there. Kate Tyson's a good matchup for Marcus and or Clarence. So Fryerberg and him will be there if Kate Tyson does play. So those are the matchups. It's going to be tough, and I mentioned dogs of the game. Just match Ben Shepard. So I'll say Marcus or Lance or Clarence. Our big three's got to show up in this game. Feed behind, hopefully, this big crowd with everything going on. Uh, they're solid. Like I said, they, they struggled at the start of the year, but they've turned it on and on a winning streak just like we are. And it's important to ride the momentum of the great uh, road victory we had going into tomorrow in the new year to show going into conference play that we are – going to hopefully finish and play like the team we were picked third to be five game winning streak against whoever it was or not. The last game should be an indication that we're going to take off here. And like I said, Scotty Abubi's right around the corner for us as well. So looking good, having our top two guys carry us, hoping they can get the job done again tomorrow. Should be a fun one. Four o'clock ESPNU if you can't make it, but hopefully everybody shows up at Band Terror Center. Like I said, with all the fun things going on tomorrow, Again, I hope everybody has a safe new year this evening into tomorrow for the game. Looking forward to it. And I, I just want to say here at the end as well, in a year, Noah and I have been doing this pod for about a year and a half now. It's been so much fun uh, for both sports. And we appreciate uh, all of you guys for listening and keeping in touch with us. The fans that DM us a lot, like our posts, just listen to our podcast in general. We really appreciate all you guys for because we hope that we do a good job with content because we do love SIU so much uh, that we provide all this for you guys. So again, appreciate the appreciate the listens and appreciate everybody for what they do for us on here and our Twitter account. Looking forward to even bigger and better and of the same things this year. And hopefully we can get off to the right track tomorrow at four o'clock at home. So for Nick Malone, till we talk to you guys in the new year, somewhere between Monday and Tuesday before we host Drake in another big game on Wednesday. So that makes tomorrow's game even more important. So until then, as always, Happy New Year. 
and go dogs.